If you're hearing this, you're invited to check out Bruh is a Murder, a true crime podcast where we cover cases of color. You can join me, Andre. Because the rate of like black trans deaths and assaults are super high in America, and that's fucked up. Battle, and then he thought everything was good, but unfortunately for his friends, that was going to be the last time they would see him alive. Robert. Yeah, Caboni Savage got 12 murders to his name, most of which happened while he was in prison under his orders. And Kelly. <laughs> Just cause like, so I decided to talk about the White Witch, which is, Ooh. yeah. Look like, at that prelude. Egg, what is it? What do they call it? Egg something? Anyway, whatever. <laughs> no, like... Like the egg purification spell or what? No, when you put an egg thing in a movie. Oh, Easter egg. Easter, Easter egg. egg, thank Easter you. Egg. Oh, <laughs> I love the most of an egg thing. As we cover POC cases that range from missing people, serial killers, conspiracy, and even more. All to a pretty kick-ass playlist. You can check us out bi-weekly anywhere you get podcasts. And... And on YouTube. It's like 106 in Park, but you know, more murder. Back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. All right, we have an interesting mashup for you this week. It's a touchy subject. We're talking um, suicide and the fact that if you take it upon yourself to help someone do mm-hmm. said thing, you're a murderer. And that's how it murder. works. You're not allowing them to um, you know, get through a rough patch and find help. Um, you utilize this person to uh, fill, fulfill your sick fantasies. Um, right. Yeah, we have a couple instances of this. We have a serial killer in Japan that searched out people who were claiming to be suicidal and took advantage of that and, and killed them and was actually living with their their bodies, which is another topic altogether. Um, and another case that's very well known. There's one case that's lesser well known, the Japan case, and then there's a case in Germany, which if you've been in the true crime world for any amount of time, you've probably heard of this case. It involves cannibalism yeah. and assisted suicide as well. Uh, yeah, that one's a rough called one. Murder. So, so be aware. Yeah. <laughs> that one, that was a rough one. Like, like Lauren said, there's going to be a lot of dark conversation in this episode. Mm-hmm. This was just a fair warning. This is this is your fair warning. I know you don't typically need it for true crime, um, but there are a lot of touchy subjects here, and we know suicide is all always something that we uh, we tread lightly around. Yeah, we want, and we want to make sure people. Thankfully, get the, so many the avenues nowadays for people yes. uh, that are in a ba- going through a rough patch like that to help them get through it. Absolutely. Uh, and it's our responsibility so. as as citizens, as friends, as acquaintances to help people, you know, especially if they express that to us, if they confide that they are suicidal to us, then it's our responsibility to to try to help them, I think. You know, it's it's especially if they confide in you in this instead of taking advantage of them like these people did in these cases. Precisely. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Hey, it's death, nice to meet you In the early days, it was hard to reach you So busy with your life, I didn't need to Reaching out for something, anything to cling to Totally convinced this life don't need you I know what's in your heart, I promise I do Understanding all the things that you go through Hey, it's death, call me back, I guess I missed you But don't call me back right away Make sure to take some time today. Call your mom, call your friends, get some sunshine, feel alive again. Most importantly, feel alive again. Ikigai is a Japanese concept referring to something that gives a person a sense of purpose, a reason for living. Ikigai could be anything from watching the sun rise to trying out new recipes to volunteering at a local shelter or spending time with family. There's nothing too trivial as long as it provides you with a pleasure and a sense of motivation. Hey, it's death. Nice to meet you. In the early days, it was hard to reach you. So busy with your life, I didn't need to. Reaching out for something, anything to cling to. Totally convinced this life don't need you. 
know what's in your heart, I promise I do Understanding all the things that you go through Hey, it's death, call me back, I guess I missed you I guess I missed you The Japanese are traditionally in the mindset that there are many, many little things that make your life worthwhile. Not necessarily all things worthwhile are grand. So take your time. Find the small things. Find pleasure in them. Leave death on hold. Leave death on hold. All right, our first case, we are going to Japan. And I don't, it sounds crazy, but suicide in Japan, for me, are a little bit synonymous because of the infamous suicide forest yes. there. Uh, the uh, Aoki Gahara Forest at the base of Japan's Mount Fuji is a hotspot for suicides as hundreds of people go there each year to end their lives. Police regularly patrol the area for suicide victims and survivors. That being said, Japan's total numbers place it significantly outside the top 10 for suicide in the world. Um, but suicide is nonetheless still a serious concern there. It's leading to the cause of uh, it's the leading cause of death in men between the ages of 20 and 44 and women between the ages of 15 and 34. Oh, wow. And due to this, the government has been active in intervention to decrease the risk of suicide, particularly among uh, young vulnerable, vulnerable populations. And the person that we focus on for this case was doing the opposite of that. You know, the government was try- was being active trying to help these young people right. to not go to that extreme um, to get through that that rough patch. And our killer this week, rather than that, was preying upon these young suicidal people by connecting with them on the Internet, mainly mm-hmm. Twitter, not allowing them the chance to get through the rough patch uh, or to seek help, uh, professional yeah, help. Yeah, he also twisted and their this- reasoning, you know, and thought in his eyes he felt like he was doing them a service. He was helping them. You know, that's how twisted this guy was. Mm-hmm. But... But really, he was he was sexually motivated. Yes, he was a you know a serial killer, and he was just using this means to obtain his victims. Absolutely, and and putting and maybe he justified it in his own sick head, like you said, made himself feel better by the fact that oh they were suicidal exactly. Anyway. And then he thought he knew how they felt because he allegedly was suicidal himself, even though he's still alive. It's like if you're so suicidal, right. why are you still here? You know. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that. So Takehiro Shirashi was born in Zama, Japan on October 9th, 1990 and shares a birthday with John Lennon and George Kittle. Wow. Let's go. What a crew. Clearly George Kittle, much bigger, you know, bigger deal than John Lennon. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> maybe to, Not biased maybe at all as a 49er, 49er fan on that fan. one. <laughs> oh, Never mind the I'm rest of the I'm kind of bummed. I was going to go, I was going to go to the Pro Bowl practices this past weekend because they're in Vegas in Summerlin actually. And I just, just missed out on like registering to get free tickets to go. And I just saw, I've been seeing pictures of like Debo walking around, George Kittle doing some autographs and stuff. Like, fuck. Damn it. Missed out know. on your boys. Missed opportunity. Right. Yeah. Are they there often for the Pro Bowl? Because I feel like Vegas would be a great destination to typically. No, the very first time. Ah, very first time. Damn it. Well, this is the first time we've had a football, you know, football stadium to do it in. So that's true. That's true. Well, they're not in. They're not. They weren't practicing at the stadium, though, right? They were at another no, field in Summerlin. No, but I mean, they, the only reason they were practicing in Summerlin is because the game is the you know Sunday in in, in uh, the Raiders Stadium. Yeah. Man, I can't wait till they hold a Super Bowl there. They are. I think they already said that it's going to be twenty twenty four. I want to say. Oh shit! That's just around the corner. Yep. Oh man, good luck with parking. Maybe maybe you should come back to Vegas and we can go to the Super Bowl together. Oh sh- yeah, <laughs> sure. Those <laughs> tickets will be nothing. Hey, we'll just uh, we'll have the the listeners pull together some money for us, make our dream come true. <laughs> right. Let us go to one Super no, Bowl. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing though. I hope I can go to a Super Bowl before I die. It's kind of like a bucket list thing. My parents got to go. They actually won tickets when I was a kid. They went to uh, no shit. the ninety nineteen ninety six Super Bowl. I think it was like bills and cowboys oh that was like or something okay yeah say, that sounds like it would have been like the l one of the elway ones almost yeah it was it's either 94 or 96 i'd have to ask them hmm. but yeah they actually won tickets at a belks do you know you know belks the department store Mm-mm. oh okay. never heard of it okay it's kind of like a jc penny or a dillard's or a sears it's kind of like that um i don't know maybe they're only popular in this in the south actually they're gone now they're completely extinct but 
that it was an old department store and my mom entered this sweepstakes and she fucking won. <laughs> she won tickets to the Super wow. Bowl. Right? She wasn't even a football fan at that time. I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Right? Pretty cool though. So Takahiro, uh, as we mentioned, born in Zama, Japan in 1990 and grew up in Zama along with his parents and younger sister. According to acquaintances who talked to the Japanese media, he was a quiet boy who went to the local elementary and high school. Um, he had average grades, but was a diligent student who never missed a day of school. Um, that being said, he was a, a skinny te- teenager who wore thin rim spectacles and joined his uh, high school's baseball team as a freshman. He was he was kind of a nerdy kid, but also an athlete. Yeah. Um, he enjoyed um, track and baseball. Yeah, baseball's um, big and in his Japan. grades were... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, his grades were not stellar, but he was a conscientious student who did not miss a, miss a day of school. He was well regarded by his, his school and his classmates in general. They said he was quiet, but he was always, you know, nice. And yeah, um, he uh, here's a quote from a classmate that said he was a good listener rather than someone who would speak about himself. So, okay, unassuming, quiet. It's uh, always the quiet humble. ones, isn't it? Got to watch. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, in the city of Yokohama, well, not always because no, not always. He, uh, Dahmer was the class clown, right? Yeah, I guess he was. he was. He was the guy always making everything about himself in, in school. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was the opposite, huh? Yeah, huh. Dahmer. He's a. He's a. Dahmer is going to come up in this episode, though. Well, well, I'm sure he will. Yeah. Well, there was a little bit of cinema- similarity between, uh, between old Takahiro and Dahmer. Yeah, there was. They both liked to to live with their victims. Yes, they did. They did. They were lonely people. So in the city of Yokohama, Yokohama. Yokohama. Uh, he went on to study in a prefe- prefectural high school. This is when things started to go downhill. Back home, his parents got divorced due to which his mother and sister moved out. Um, so it sounds like he was just living with his his father mm-hmm. at this point after the divorce. Right. Um, and after graduation in 2009, he started working odd jobs like uh, working in a supermarket, a food factory, and a pachinko parlor, which is like kind of like a gambling machine, right? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it's like gambling arcade machines. It's like a whole bunch mm-hmm. of them in just one area, and people just go in there and just sit at them, just like, you know, like uh, poker machines, something like that, arcade poker. Which makes me wonder if that's how he got connected to the CD Underworld. Um, oh, I'm sure. He where did. he became a scout for a prostitution ring located in the uh, Kabu Kabukicho district, which is known as the Red Light District in Japan. Um, Here, his job was to lure young women to work in these clubs, so doing, you know, work for some sort of a gang, right? Um, he was once described as ambitious, a dangerous man who was capable of betrayal. He also was known to be active in, uh, the Shinjuko's dingy, dingy Kabuchiko, uh, district. And this is quite I'm a, sure I'm butchering these names, is, right? We're doing the best we can, but this is a big change yeah. from when he was in high school, right? From being the quiet, well-mannered listener. And then now he's ambitious mm-hmm. and dangerous. Like, man, what a change, yeah. right? Being part of this uh, this he, he, underworld really really changed his personality, or maybe this is who he always was. Yeah, maybe he always had these dark thoughts, and that's why he just kept to himself and stayed quiet in school because he wouldn't uh, he wasn't sure if he would be able to find anybody that thought the way he did. Right? Yeah, he didn't find his people, and then when he found his people, he just he just ran with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So he would ultimately be given a suspended prison term for being a scout in the prostitution ring. At this time, he told, his, he told his father that he found no meaning in life. And this was when he was around 27 years old. He was jobless um, following his, his you know short prison term. Um, and at this point, he got deeply involved in the dark side of social media. He started to use Twitter and slowly worked on, on building up a small following base. Um, according to his neighbors, uh, he was close to his father who worked in an automotive design shop and frequently helped out his father in the workshop and also used to go out for dinner and drinks with his father. Hmm. Um, at around this time though, he confessed to his father that he had found the love of his life and would, uh, would like to have a place of his own. At which point his father helped him get an apartment that was only a mile and a half away from his father's house. Um, the rent for the apartment was 19,000 yen or $227 a month. Isn't it weird? Um, so now he's got his own place. Isn't it weird that like his father, well, maybe he did, but why didn't his father like inquire about this? Like he found the love of your life. Well, who is it? Can, can we meet them? Can, who, who is this person? He was dating a young woman at this time. Okay. So maybe he did meet her. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Obviously wasn't the so, love of his life, but he, he just wanted no, an excuse. For, he just wanted an excuse to get his own it place. It could have been. In his eyes, it could have been, but she ends up breaking up with him. Oh, okay. So, okay. 
That makes sense. Yeah. So he would move into a one one room apartment in Zama, a southwestern suburb of Tokyo. Um, this apartment would later be dubbed the House of Horrors by the Japanese media for reasons that we've alluded to a couple of times here. You know, right? Similarities to Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Um, so the young woman who he was dating lived with him for three months in 2017 and said that Takahiro was quote usually more gentle than ordinary people despite a morbid fascination with death and suicide she says quote when I told him that I wanted to break up he hugged me and said something like don't go so very uh, mm. uh, sensitive soul apparently, apparently. at least May- according to maybe her maybe she was the last straw you know like the last straw for him Maybe he thought that if it didn't work with her, he was like, fuck this. You know, I think she yeah. kind of, I mean, think about it. He found the love of his life right right at a time where he felt like he had no meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Everything started going well. And then maybe his fascination with suicide and death kind of creeped her out a little bit. Maybe she wanted to go do something else or she didn't want to be connected to somebody who was connected to the seedy underbelly. She leaves him, and then now he feels like all all I have left is is the people I know through this through this red light district through this CD underbelly, and you know if if I can't have her, you know how it feels. I mean, at nineteen, twenty years old, a big breakup yep. like that, you feel like your whole world is over. Well, he was in his late twenties at this point. He was twenty seven years old. Yeah, so. well, still, still hardly old though. Yeah, but doesn't have much going on. You know, exactly. He's just got out finally got his own place he'd been living with his father jobless and potentially suicidal himself i think he he thought like i have nothing to live for but i don't i'm not ready to kill myself so i'm gonna have some fun first type of thing that's what i think too he was like well if i you know i got nothing to live for so i might as well just live for myself and fulfill all mm-hmm. of the all the horrible fantasies, fantasies that i have yeah mm-hmm so this girlfriend that he had for a while said that he had also sent her messages such as let's commit suicide together and also once texted I have killed a hostess who said she wanted to die which the former girlfriend dismissed as a joke unfortunately why would you do that that is such a random thing to say it's like if somebody says that I'd be like whoa hostess why a hostess where did she work like I I wouldn't just dismiss this maybe because he said stuff similar so often that Mm. she just thought he was all talk i guess I don't know. to me that's even more alarming i don't know yeah <laughs> like if he's always saying so Taki- like yeah, so takahiro by this time had already created two accounts on twitter with a small follower base the two accounts were quote i want to die and a professional at hanging those were the two accounts uh titles wow and under the first account he projected himself as a victim seeking for company for his misery Quote, I want to forget everything, he wrote in an August 25th post. I want to disappear. Under the second account, he projected himself as a person proficient at helping people die. Quote, I want to spread my knowledge in hanging, he said. I really want to become the source of strength for everyone who is in pain. If you are at a dead end, please consult me. Wow. Yeah, it's sad because he's really preying on these people, knowing that they're vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Much like, I mean, it's it's really not all that different than a lot of the serial killers we covered who... Uh, preyed on people who were, you know, on the outside of society, whether they were uh, sex workers or, you know, gay people in a time in the 70s where, you know, that would put you on the outside. Or just people who are just straight up lonely, like the slave master, you know, John Edward Robinson. I feel like he's a Mm -hmm. great example of people, of someone who just preyed on the lonely, the lonely, the the forgotten, the people who are starved for attention, starved Mm -hmm. for friendship. You know, he's doing, he's doing the same thing here on Twitter. I think you're right. I think more than anything, these people that he was contact, you know, coming into contact with that were uh, quote unquote suicidal at the time. I think more than anything, they were just looking for companionship, or they were, you know, like you said, they were. Yes, lonely. they just want someone that they can go through these motions with to talk these ideas out, not necessarily mm-hmm. commit suicide. You know, it's just they just want to get this stuff off their chest. They want to feel like they're not crazy. You know. Yeah, probably not the best uh, people to. To try and sort through these things with, though, you probably want to sort through, you know, with a professional that's trying to help you yeah, find you know, meaning and happiness as opposed to talking to someone else who's also feeling the same thing. Right, right, yeah. I don't know. I'm no professional. but Yeah, I would think somebody who feels just as, just as down and is just as depressed as you are is probably not going to be a whole lot of help in this situation. You need somebody who cares about you, someone who loves you, someone who, or like you say, a, a professional 
who's used to dealing with this type yeah. of thing. And unfortunately, most people are too afraid or too shy to go and, and talk to a professional. So they'll express their, their feelings through anon- uh, anonymity online. You know, they feel way more comfortable mm-hmm. about that. And then in this case, unfortunately, it turns out to meeting in person and takes a horrible turn. Yeah. So he began combing through Twitter for for his victims using the hashtag, quote, suicide recruitment. Preying on the vulnerable young girls who were intent on dying, he told them via direct message on Twitter, quote, let's die together. And to make sure that the victims didn't back off at the last minute, he would set up a meeting in a train station near the victim's home. From there, they would travel to Takahiro's house. Mm. And before assaulting them, to make them relax, he administered alcohol, tranquilizers, and sleeping pills. So, as we said, this was motivated by his sexual fantasies. This was not him doing them a favor like he's trying to act like he exactly. is. I mean, uh, clue number one, almost all the victims were female. It's like if you're just trying to help people yep. commit suicide, mm-hmm. why are you only helping females? Mm-hmm. I know there was one male in his apartment, and I'm not sure how that happened. Maybe just one male answered right. the call. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, you were, he was looking for females. Let's not get it mm-hmm. twisted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Takahiro would use this method so successful that sex successfully that he would ultimately kill seven young women and one young man without a hiccup. Mm-hmm. Finally, following the, vic- the killing of his ninth victim, a 23-year-old lady from the to- uh, Tokyo neighborhood of Hachioji um, had her tw- she had her Twitter account hacked by her brother, who was given assistance by a woman who had previously met Takahiro. So. Mm-hmm. Does a little bit of investigating himself. Reminds me a lot of uh, Sandy Story's <laughs> recent one. Yes, it does, right? You, yeah, your character yeah. who did a little research and uh, took matters into his own hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the, the one of the victims, his latest victim's brother, uh, hacks her Twitter and finds the the account that uh, connected was connected to his sister who passed mm-hmm. away. And on October 30th, 2017... Um, the, the woman who had connected the brother, you know, and said that I, she had talked to this person before and thought that this might be the person that killed uh, his sister. Um, she consented to be bait to draw out Takahiro for the cops who then tracked him home. Brilliant. So the bait works. He takes the bait, um, and they, they knock on his door. He lived in a nondescript flat in a quiet residential street on one of Tokyo's endless sprawling suburbs. Police knock on his door on the morning of Halloween. So this is a gruesome Halloween discovery that they would make. Understatement. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it, it is kind of ironic that, you know, they would find this house of horrors on Halloween day. Seriously. Um, so when they knock on his door, they asked him if, uh, you know, if he knew where the missing 23-year-old woman was, at which point he wasted no time pointing at a, at a cooler at near the entrance and said, in there. Mm-hmm. Once inside, police uncovered a grisly house of horrors, nine dismembered bodies with as many as 240 bone parts stashed in coolers and toolboxes sprinkled with cat litter in a bid to hide the evidence. God, and remember, guys, this is a small apartment, 13 square meters. That's it. Yeah. This is a tiny apartment. Like Probably about the size of your master bedroom. Yes. You know. Or, you know, a, a large, maybe a, a living room, maybe. That's, mm-hmm. this is crazy. Including a bathroom. 240 bone parts, nine dismembered bodies in this place. Like, even if they're in boxes yep. and shit, I don't care if you if a whole wall is a freezer. Like, it's just, it's not practical. I don't understand how he got away with it this long. It's just people being polite yeah. in the building, I guess. Right? You just don't want to think that that's happening in your building. The same way with, like, Dahmer's neighbors. Mm-hmm. How long did it go where they were like, God, his apartment stinks like hell, but, you Seriously. know, it's none of our business, I guess. And it's the same way with this. People are just coming and going, yeah. and you know he doesn't seem like a threat either. These people typically right. typically don't. Yeah, I have a feeling that um, his his apartment didn't reek quite as much as Dahmer's because Dahmer kept a lot of the the meat and cooked it and consumed it and things mm-hmm. like that. Whereas Takahiro, uh, he was getting rid of the you know the, the organs, right? everything but the bones yeah. essentially getting rid of he was trashing everything but the bones and the only reason he didn't throw the bones out he said was because he was worried that that was what would get him caught mm. throwing out you know you know indescript chunks of meat here and there so as gross as that sounds um in the trash your trash is going to stink of course but it's out of your apartment at that right. point yeah Ugh. 
So inside his apartment, um, the police would also discover heads, legs, and limbs from his victims in three cooler boxes and five huge storage crates. Ugh. Like I say, how does he have so room did for keep... all this shit? It's not... oh, I know. God. It's just, just coolers all over this tiny right? apartment. What is he, sitting on them and stuff? It's like they double as furniture. It's just so sick, dude. Mm. Think how. To think like when he starts getting to the sixth, seventh, eighth victims, when he brings them over to his apartment, like aren't they right away like Yeah. As soon as you walk in, like what the hell is going on in here? Well, maybe they're just so drugged that by the time they get in there, they're just so out of it, you know, from the sedatives and yeah. shit that he's given them on the train, uh, the downers, mm -hmm. the alcohol, whatever else he's given them, you know, maybe they're just that out of it. They're just not thinking about yeah. it. And 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 you know, they're also thinking about why they're there you know they did encounter him because he you know helps people commit suicide at a certain extent so they're thinking about themselves they're thinking about their life ending if they're at that point they're really not thinking too much about their own health and their own safety mm -hmm. so yeah so now neighbors did validate the incidents by reporting that the residents emitted uh quite an awful smell <laughs> i bet so i bet um didn't he keep his uh, uh Takahiro, he kept his exhaust fan on all the time too? Didn't he to try to alleviate that? Yes, they said that that never turned yeah. off. Yeah, that his exhaust fan was that always poor on. little fan. There's no way it could keep up with that shit. Mm. So Takahiro had thrown away parts of the victims in his bin, his trash can, which had been disposed of in the recycled uh, recycled garbage. Eight women and one man were among the nine victims. All of them were between the ages of 15 and 26. Mm. Um, he was. Not shy about admitting to what he had done. He admitted to killing one victim in August, four in September, and four in October. He killed the victims on the same day at which he met him. Quote, it was difficult at first. It took me three days to get rid of the first body, but after that I could deal with them in one day, um, he told the police. So we've talked about how many killers have said how hard it is to dismember a body. They they always underestimate the amount of time that it takes right. to do it. But apparently he became more proficient over time. Mm -hmm. But an entire day. Imagine spending an entire day. First of the first one was what? Three what do you say? Days. Three days. Yeah. Imagine spending three straight days dismembering a body. Ugh. It's hard for the normal human brain to even comprehend. Yes, it is. I guess it was something to distract him, though. I mean, obviously he got off on it. Mm-hmm. He claimed that he was motivated by mo by sex and money, so he was apparently uh, robbing them for whatever they had on them yeah. as well. Hmm. He is uh, suspected of choking his victims, whom he he did not know their real identities or ages until they passed out, then sexually assaulted several of them. Two kitchen knives, scissors, a saw, tying rope, and a gimlet were all, all had bloodstains uh, were found in the apartment. Police would later talk to uh, classmates and discover there were some red flags as one primary school t uh, classmate informed the private Fuji TV network that Takahiro and his friends liked to choke one another for fun. Quote, he once passed out while playing the choking game. The man who wanted to remain anonymous told the show, there's no doubt that I, uh, oh, he goes on to tell the police, quote, there is no doubt that I sliced up the bodies in my bathroom with the intention of destroying the evidence. Um, wow. Well, he's pretty uh, forthcoming of everything, huh? Oh, no doubt. Um, yeah, he, he, also says, he also says, quote, I disposed of the flesh and internal organs like garbage, but I kept the bones out of fear that I would be caught. Wow. He would, uh, that's utilizing the, uh, the old, uh, what's his name in Kansas city, the Kansas city butchers techniques yeah. of just basically throwing the victims away in the trash. Bob Berdella. Bob Berdella. Yeah. Yep. That blew me away when I learned that first heard that case. I'm like, wow, he just got rid of them in the trash. <laughs> what the fuck? It's kind of brilliant in a way. I mean, it, it is. trash is supposed to stink. And then once it's at the dump, good luck. Yeah, I know. Right. Good luck sorting through it and knowing where it mm -hmm. came from. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially Bob would, uh, didn't he freeze the, the body parts before he threw them away so that it would take longer for the stench to get really bad? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he Pretty did. Sure. And probably Pretty used sure. gloves and everything else for bat bagging them up. There was really nothing to tie him to them. If that guy doesn't yeah. escape, just like Dahmer, you know, if that guy doesn't escape, does he even get caught? Right. <clears throat> so uh, Takahiro Shirashi would admit to admit his guilt to the nine murders on October 1st, 2020 and was sentenced to death on December 15th, 2020. And he chose not to file an appeal against his sentencing, which is the only thing in Japan that would keep your, you know, inevitable execution 
uh, from from happening for a while because they they get to it pretty quickly once the appeal process is over. It's about to say you we'll only talk more about that. Like, their their death penalty, yeah. uh, like the way they carry out their death sentences over there, is pretty fascinating. It's a lot different than over here. I know, right? It's like you get a death penalty here, and chances are you're going to die before you get executed. But it's not like that in Japan. Yeah. Um, he says, "quote I humbly admit my guilt and will accept the punishment." He's now 31 years old, um, and he was sentenced to death in January of 2021. Um, there are currently about 112 inmates on the county on the country's death row. Only on the and this I found pretty crazy and kind of cool in a way. Only on the day of execution do the condemned get the bad news. So they don't they don't get told a date, and they did oh, basically yeah. they just wake up one day and they're told, "All right, this is the day." Dude, I, I know about this. Uh, we talked about this on Strange Shorts. Okay. Yeah, we talked about this on Strange Shorts. We had this big discussion on whether or not that was like humanely cruel or if they deserve it or what. I mean, what do you think? I almost, I don't know. I think I would almost prefer that because I feel would, like the knowing the date thing would mess with me big time, just sitting around and just counting down the hours. You know, I'd almost rather see, just be hit with it. That's that's how I feel too. But then at the same time, you wake up every single day going, is this the day I get killed? <laughs> is this the day? <laughs> so well, it's, it, I mean, I kind of wake up that way anyway. Like, is this the day? You know, like, it, <laughs> is this the day? <laughs> it could be the day for anybody. I mean, you can die no in a car doubt. accident right, you know, today. You just don't know. Well, no doubt. But on, on death row, you know exactly how it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you have to know in Japan, they don't spend that minute, that much time there. Like, if you spend five to seven years on death row in Japan, that's a long stay. Yeah. That's a long stay. So they're, they're getting to you rather quickly. It depends on the, like how long you're able to drag out the appeal process. There are some people that there's, <clears throat> there's a man named, uh, Sadamachi, Sadamichi Hirasa mm -hmm. that, uh, died of natural causes at age 95 after awaiting execution for 32 years. And oh, his shit. crime was, uh, he had poisoned 16 people, killing 10, some of them children. Oh, Wow. So okay, so that's kind of a that's you kind can of a drag it case. out. You can drag it out, but uh, in in this case, Takahiro, but, he was he was not he you know he didn't want to go through the appeal thing. Maybe uh, you know he was actually suicidal and he's just ready to get over with. But <clears throat> yeah, maybe. According maybe. to Article Four Seventy Five of the Japanese Code for Criminal Procedure, the death penalty must be executed within six months after the failure of the prison's final appeal upon a court order of the Minister of Justice. So this could come down any day for Takahiro. Because like yep. we said, he didn't file any appeals, so he's just going to go ahead and take his his punishment, you know, which is to be executed by hanging. Mm -hmm. um, and this could happen any day. We could, you know, this could be another one of those cases where we have that weird timing, like we had with uh, uh, with the Jinx, where we oh, we, yeah. said, we said in that episode <laughs> like he could die any day. He looks he looks really bad. He's really old and like you know decrepit. And next thing you know, like a few days after we posted that episode, it was announced that he had died. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this guy he could, at any time, right? Because it's been yeah. it's within the six months. He just today got, he could wake up today and get the news that today's the day. Yep, today's the day. Yep. Mm. And as I briefly mentioned, executions in Japan are still carried out by hanging in an execution chamber with the detention center, within the detention center, and with the death warrant being signed, the condemned prisoner is informed on the morning of their execution. They are given a choice for their last meal. The prisoner's family and legal representatives and also the general public are informed only after the execution has taken place. Dang. So no watch party like we have in America sometimes. Right. You I just, think that's for the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. I mean, most think, people that watch that, they they almost always regret it. Like, I didn't need yeah, to see that. Right? You don't need to see that. You don't need to see it. And it's and it, and also you're given that being the said, I think if you're a family member of one of the victims, I think you should have the right to watch it if you want to. I don't think it's a great idea to watch it, but I think you should have the right to watch it. Hmm. Like if yeah, you fucking so. like tortured and killed my daughter or something like that, like and I want to watch, I should be allowed to watch. Yeah, I don't think it's going to help you though. No, I, I really don't. Maybe I really not. don't think I don't it'll. Know. I don't think it'll help you heal. I think just having the knowledge that that person is gone and they can never hurt anybody again, I think that's. That's good enough, yeah. honestly, because you're not going to be able to do anything. It's not like you can kill them yourself. You know, it's that'd be different if they allowed the family mm -hmm. in. It's like, hey, you want you want to take a couple swings at this guy, you know, while he's still here, <laughs> while he's still alive. I feel like that's different. Maybe that would help a little bit, but right. honestly, it's not. It's all that's all very shallow feelings that that's going to help. You know, yeah. it's not going to help the healing process in the long term. Yeah. And so the method they use uh, in regards to the hanging is the long drop, causing instantaneous uh, rapid death by neck fracture. 
Yeah. Much yeah, better than the other option when when it comes to hanging, where you don't fall far enough to break your neck and you just basically flop around and suffocate. strangle for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You're like James Franco on freaking Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Yeah. But but that, see, that, that played in his favor a few times he got out of it because of that mm-hmm. method. <laughs> yeah. The Wild West is a little different. You might, you know, you yeah. might be able to get away, but yeah, in a Japanese uh, prison, I don't think you're getting away. No, 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 no. You're not getting away. <laughs> no. They're still hanging people in 2022, so they think they pretty much got it down to an art. They got it down, yeah. That being said, Takahiro, since being sentenced, says that uh, he still has one last wish, that he wants to meet a normal girl and get married before he's executed. Well, fuck him, so (laughs) that's how I say about that. What kind of, like, I don't know, man. What kind no, of, you don't like, get to meet anybody. You don't get to meet... What kind of relationship is that? You get married and like the next day he gets like, oh, today's the day you die. Right? What? Why? What you is know the what? point? Maybe, I don't know. I guess he what? doesn't really have anything. I was going to say if he had any money, like some young girl should take him up on that just so she could take whatever he has as soon as he dies. Oh, I know. But he doesn't, desert, he doesn't deserve a quote unquote normal girl. This dude ain't nowhere near normal. Like, why the fuck would a normal I'd marry person? him, uh, take up a life insurance policy on his ass. Oh, there you go. And, and then just, uh, you know, just uh, flake out every time he wants to do a conjugal visit. Like, nah, I can't make it this time. <laughs> can't make it. I'm sorry. Sorry, babe. <laughs> I got to meet with the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. We're working some stuff out. Uh, are you getting Maybe next week. No? I don't have till next week. <laughs> That's what I'm banking on. What? Uh, nothing. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, All right. Yeah, well, that's our first case. Though. That's our first case. Uh, do you, you want to go to a quick commercial break and then we'll get to the next one, which I call consensual cannibalism. If that doesn't pique your interest, oh, I don't God. know what will. All right. We'll be right back, guys. What's up, creepers? Let me tell you about our latest sponsor, Bombas. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy your Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas design their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxury, cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy winter layers. There's a pair of Bomba socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options like comfy performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. Bomba's t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right, while their underwear have a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there in a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. I'm actually wearing Bombas socks as we speak, as I record this. My wife and I are in love with them. Uh, they, they fit just, just snug on your feet. They're the perfect thickness. They're soft. They're durable. You can't beat it. And then you get to feel good about the fact that, you know, you just also help to clothe someone in need. There's not many companies out there that are willing to give away half of their product to people in need and not make a profit from it. That is really a noble and incredible thing to do. So get you some Bombas and help those in need as well. Go to bombas.com slash creeper and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash creeper for 20% off. Bombas.com slash creeper. All right, for our next case. A little bit more of a well-known case if you've been in the true crime world for a while, but I, I have a feeling there's there's quite a few listeners that have never heard of this, and if you haven't, wow. Oh, yeah. Strap in for this one. This is the one that's rough, man. Yeah. This is the rough. You didn't go too crazy on the details, thank God. You you spared some things, but you guys can yeah. you can use your imagination. The left will be left, yeah, yeah. to your own imagination, mm-hmm. or if you want to go find more details, be my guest. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Monstro covered this case. Or, or I'd like to know if the video is available to watch. Not that I'm, I'm interested in watching it, but I, I wonder if it's out there on one of those dark websites, you know? Oh, I'm sure it is somewhere. On, on, the, like on the, the dark web? Yeah, on like the Tor yeah. browser or some shit. You probably can't... You're not going to find it on Google, that's for sure. No. Oof. Probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't unsee something like this. No, you cannot. So, yeah, I call this case uh, consensual cannibalism. <laughs> um, we're going to Germany for this one. Okay. And uh, uh, although Armin... Armin Muse had a similar motivation as Jeffrey Dahmer, wanting to keep possession of other humans forever, even if that meant consuming them as a means of uh, making them a part of himself. Armin used a different tactic than Dahmer did, looking for willing participants rather than drugging random men from gay bars like Dahmer did. Right, right. So is that so, is that more passable in your opinion? Do you think that's that's less evil? 
Less evil, yes. I don't know how <laughs> to feel about this one because it truly does seem like Armin's uh, Armin's victim. I mean, this is still murder. Don't get me wrong, but he truly did seem to want what happened. Yeah, he did. Right. He he not yeah. only part he not only did it willingly. He wasn't tied up or anything. He just did it, and it seemed to enjoy it after a certain point, at least. According to the information, the descriptions of people that have witnessed the video, it does sound as though like this is, you know, the, it was consensual. Yeah. But Oof. as much as murder and cannibalism can be consensual, I guess it's rough. <clears throat> so Armin Muse was born on December first, nineteen sixty-one, and shares a birthday with Richard Pryor and Deshaun Jackson. Oh wow! My, this one, my sister's is, this one pissed me off more than any of the others when I was looking for the birthday celebrities because Richard Pryor was like number thirty. Holy below crap! Below, I say it every time, but a bunch below a bunch of YouTube and TikTok stars that were 14 years old. I'm oh like, fucking God. Richard Pryor should be number one. Fuck you guys. Like, <laughs> come Seriously, on. one of the greatest comedians of all time. Seriously, dude. Like, how are you going to disrespect Richard like that? Well, it's just relevance, dude. You know, we're, we're, we're getting old enough to where we're seeing people who we think are legends are being are being outdated. You know, they're just not being considered because they're they're yeah. long gone. They're not relevant enough. Yeah. So Armin had a reportedly happy childhood. He had a peace. He he had peace and loving parents. Um, however, he himself was quiet, and, but but was considered a happy kid, building tree houses, riding ponies. Um, things changed though when he turned eight years old. His father abandoned him, which changed Armin forever. Um, yeah. it, it sounds as though he had abandonment issues after that, and was trying to find ways to latch onto people to keep them from you know never leaving him again. Yeah, he went pretty extreme and on it, that. Yeah, it said it said that instantly he started to feel lonelier and detached following his father's abandonment. His loneliness got more intense from that point onward throughout the rest of his life, and many believe that the root of his cannibalistic tendencies emerged from this event. Um, Armin started having a growing desire to feel a deeper connection with someone that he had lost with his father at a young age. Um, the feeling of being together with someone on a deeper level turned into a desire to eat them. Mm. Armin thought that he would stay uh, with them forever if he had eaten that person. It's not really how digesting. I was about works, to say, dude. do you not know how your digestive tract works? Because nothing stays with you forever when you eat it. I mean, right. Except for do maybe you also like, think that like if you eat frog legs, you're gonna be able to jump higher, bro. Like, right. It's not really how this. Isn't works. the only thing that sticks with you is like a, a concoction of like alcohol and cocaine? I heard that shit stays in your stomach for a long time. Oh yeah. Like a weird concoction, like the remnants of it or something. The hmm. way that it mixes together, yeah. I don't know, but that's. But other than that, I mean, you're still gonna pass that. No, THC sticks with you for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess in your hair, in your bloodstream and stuff. Yeah, like a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. THC is a good friend though. THC is a friend I want around. I don't. I don't want any, I don't yeah. want a person inside of me for a month. Jesus. Mm. So, so yeah. So this desire, this desire that he had, was solidified in him after entering high school, where he saw that he wanted to be in a romantic relationship with girls his age. Unlike Dahmer, Armin wanted the ritual of him feeding on another human to be consensual, though. I could see that. Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all want... <laughs> everything should be consensual. At least we'll give him respect mm-hmm. in that in that sense, right? At least mm-hmm. he wanted, wanted yeah. to get consent. We, yeah, we Dahmer was taking home unsuspecting people, drugging them, and uh, while they were incapacitated, drilling into their head and things like that. Ugh. So I, I suppose that's definitely worse. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks. Um, he thought that his interconnection was only possible if the victim pr- par- uh, practically sacrificed their life for him. Finally, Armin would find his perfect victim on the internet. Don't, I mean, isn't that the place you go when you're trying to eat somebody? Yeah. Essentially? Yeah, I guess. Where else are you going to find that? You're not going to just randomly, you know, meet someone at a bar that is down for that. Right. You can't put an ad in the newspaper. So. No. Uh, and it's a, it's really kind of hard to get to that topic when you're in a conversation with someone you just met. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A little bit. It's not really a natural segue into that, right. you know? You don't really put it in your bio on social media. It's There's not many things right. you can do. So what do you do do for a living? Would you like to be eaten? <laughs> Would you like to? By the way. <laughs> it's cool if not. If cool if not, I'm just looking for consensual people who want to be eaten. No, not you? Okay. Right. <clears throat> yeah, didn't think so. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> right. So after Armin's mother's death, I guess she was a, a pretty... Um, demanding woman mm-hmm. um, she she kind of had dominance over muse which is another common thread with a lot of the killers that we cover right right mm-hmm. dominating mother abandonment issues sometimes with the father he's kind of checking some boxes here yep yep no doubt. you know what it almost seems like the dominant mother thing uh, it, it 
it leads more to the like the possession of someone forever. Like Dahmer, he had weird shit with his mom, like the bed peeing stuff, and then also like uh, you know, the ultimate dude that liked to hold on to body parts and things like that. Ed Gein had the ultimate mom, mommy issues as well. Oh yeah, He's that's right. Seeing some connections here. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. That abandonment leads to them wanting to possess someone. Mm-hmm. Well, also the mother's dominance and the mother dominance, for some right, reason. right, right, yeah, yeah. So Armin started to surf the internet and stumbled upon cannibal websites where he saw listings of thousands of ads of people asking to be eaten. My God. Right? How thousands? could there be thousands of people thousands? <laughs> wanting to be eaten, dude? God. What the hell? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, there's billions of people on the earth, you know? There's a lot of different types of people, aren't yes, there? Yes, there are. There's a lot of people. Wow. Wow. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that, like, you know... About as many people as listen to our show, probably, there's that many people out there that want to be eaten. Oh, God. That's, that really puts it into perspective. It's weird. Yeah, it is. Just, mm. you, don't, you don't know what's out there on the dark web, dude. You can literally find And anybody. I don't really want to know entirely, I guess. No, I don't think you do either. I've heard enough. Not unless you, you feel lost and feel like you want that connection, you know, but it's there for a reason, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so upon discovering this cannibal website, he was he was hooked immediately and posted his own ad which stated that he was looking for a man between 18 to 25 years old willing to be slaughtered and eaten. Mm. <clears throat> At which point he got some responses and made con- contact with multiple victims, but none of them were suitable and would eventually back out. So, you know, he came across a couple of people that were all talk. Yeah. It sounds like until until he came in contact with Burned Brands. Not sure if I'm pronouncing the name properly, but Burn Brands came along who had listed an ad on himself offering his body to be eaten. And Armin viewed this as striking gold. So in March of 2001, the two met at a train station near Rottenburg and they drove to Armin's somewhat secluded farmhouse. Of course, this happens in a farmhouse. Like where else would it happen? As soon as he entered the living room, Brands undressed and was a well-built and muscular uh, man, just as Armin had hoped for. So he had a particular body type he was mm-hmm. looking for, you know, to consume. I could see that. I mean, um, you, you don't get many shots at this, right? So you, you want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. Because, I mean, all these other people have done backed out for whatever reason. I don't know if they didn't fit the bill or if they were, if they just backed out because they got cold feet or what. I mean, understandably so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you find somebody who was who was willing to do this. I guess he's looking for the perfect specimen and he found him. Yeah. So Burns apparently wanted to feel the pain and asked Muse to mutilate parts of his body while he was still alive and shockingly also asked uh, Muse to film the entire amputation so he could see what it looked like. Just Oof. as agreed, they set up the camera and started to cut party par- body parts. Um, you know, Muse started to cut parts of Brand's body apart uh mm-hmm. it got quite graphic naturally brands winced in pain but after about 30 seconds allegedly he stopped screaming and said that the pain had completely subsided um however the bleeding would not stop and of course he he would begin to bleed out and drifting in and out of consciousness um, yeah, he was in shock yeah it sounds as though um uh, muse was conflicted as to what the next step should be at, at that point um finally his desire to eat burned would overcome and he would hesitantly grip the knife and cut Brand's throat, killing him instantly. So he could begin the process of, I suppose, butchering the body and consuming. Yeah. Um, he proceeded to run hot water over the dead body and cleaned it thoroughly before removing the head from Brand's body and hanging it from the ceiling. After that, he cut pieces of flesh, went downstairs in the kitchen and cooked up dinner, which he enjoyed with a glass of wine. Very, um, uh, Hannibal Lecter of oh. him. I was about to say, yeah, this is something straight out of a horror movie right here. Mm-hmm. Um, he would describe the human. He would describe the taste of human flesh, if you're ever curious, as a little stronger than pork, but tasty nevertheless. Oh. The more you know. Right. Thank you. Totally needed that. Yeah. So after decades, his desire had been fulfilled. He finally felt a, a feeling of deep connection within him that he had missed ever since his father's death. Wow. Well, his father's oh abandonment, I, just don't, I guess, more importantly. Imagine you yeah, abandon really. your kid and this is the road they go down. Like, you never thought that it would have... I mean, yeah, I'm sure, you, you know, his father knew when he abandoned him that uh, 
it would have an effect on his child, but turning him into a cannibal, you don't expect right? that. Hell no. Not at this not to this point. You think, okay, maybe he turns to a life of crime, you know, maybe he gets mixed in with the wrong people, maybe he has a couple bad relationships. But eating people? What the hell? It came <laughs> out of left field, dude. Yeah. So for the next few months, Armin would eat Brand's uh, remains, which he stored in a freezer at his farmhouse while searching for more victims online. However, an anonymous tip by a teenager that lived next door led to the police investigation into Muse. And so they show up to his farmhouse, and after thoroughly searching the property, a female detective found found some meat in the freezer and immediately recognized it to not be pork, as Muse had claimed. He wondered what she saw that tipped her to that. You know, was there something that had like a human quality to it, like a shape of it or something like that. I'm sure it did. Um, and after being taken into custody, Armin Muse confessed to his crimes without hesitation. He had, he said that he had consumed over 44 pounds of meat before authorities finally caught him. Damn. Jesus. Right. He was eating on that shit for days, weeks, months. Oh God. So as we mentioned though, like, uh, unauthorized, Assisted suicide is murder, and so he was first tried in court on January uh, January thirtieth, two thousand four, initially for manslaughter, and was convicted of that and sentenced to eight years. But after presenting the videotape recording of the incident and the increased coverage of the case by the media, the German courts ordered a retrial in two thousand five, at which point he was sentenced to life in jail, where he remains at the age of sixty. He has since opened up about his story and tells people that he regrets his decision and is remorseful for killing Brands. Surprisingly, he has also become a vegetarian in prison. However, psychologists wow. who have reviewed Mew's condition claim that there is a strong chance that he would recommit the crimes if he was released. Yeah, I don't think he'd turn yeah, back so and too. like move on from that. I think he, I think they're right. I'm pretty sure he would go back to do, trying to do that again. Yeah, he would. He absolutely would. I think this becoming a vegetarian in prison is just a way to keep it off his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, because he thinks... Imagine trying to eat any other type of meat now. Right. I don't know, man. I, I think I might go vegetarian after this as well. This is fucked up. Yep. Oh my gosh. It's weird that like after the video, they then gave him life. Right? It's like it wasn't enough. I mean, I don't know. It's one well, we've I talked about it. It's one thing to hear details of things. I guess it all depends on the type of mind you have. Some people can I visualize things. But if you saw the video But if you saw the video, then you would have seen the victim's cooperation, correct? Or maybe it didn't go down exactly the way it says. Maybe he jumped the gun on killing him. Unless we saw the video ourselves as to how cooperative he was. But yeah, no thanks though. I don't don't care to see the video. I'm good. I'm good. Good on that. No, sir. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Monstro covered this case, dude, in episode one. Mm -hmm. Because I I couldn't make it through. Like I said, it's it's a good one. This one's so shocking that, of course. It's so shocking that, of course, many shows have covered that that case. But yeah, but the way they did it, though, and the acting it out, oh, that's rough. <laughs> that's a yeah, yeah. That, I, I didn't need that. I didn't need that visual of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there you go, guys. There's a couple off the wall cases. Something different from what we normally do, for sure, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the unauthorized assisted suicide, man. It's that's just murder. Yep. Absolutely. It's just murder. Yeah. Now, I mean, there there are places like Washington State that, that offer assisted suicide and it's legal, you know, it's done properly. And this this mm-hmm. should be looked at as a, a last resort for people, in my opinion, who are, you know, maybe they have terminal cancer and they're in extreme pain and, you know, yeah, they want to go out on their own terms. You know, it is nice that there is that available for those people, but... In most instances, people can get help and, and they can view that moment they went through where they were suicidal as a thing of the past. You know, you hope that we all go through stages in life at times and it could it could hopefully just be another, you know, a little hard, rough patch you went through that you can look in the rearview mirror at, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for most people, it is, you know, and that's what's so heartbreaking about the, the, the Japanese case is mm-hmm. because... All these victims were so young, man. Yeah. They were at a point in their lives where they're just getting started. They're still trying to figure out who they are. You know, his victims were between 15 and 26. Yeah. Like they are they're just getting started. Of course, yeah. of course everything in your life isn't going perfect. Like you're still building it. You're still doing the building blocks. Mm-hmm. Um and that's so heartbreaking. Like snuffing out those lives before they can get through that little rough patch. Yeah. Mm. 
All right. Well, there you go, guys. Well, snuff out the stench in your pits with some oh my god. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's a much better thing to do. (laughs) Much better thing to do, guys. If you don't know what oh my guy is, it's an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, at OhMyGaia.com, there's tons of scents to choose from. A couple of my favorites are Egyptian Musk, uh, Sailor, Barbershop, True Crime Pine. Of course, True Crime Pine made especially for true crime guys. If you guys are true crime guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram, or you can go to ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. And remember, at checkout, use code word creeper for 15% off your order. Guys, there's also scented oils and beard oils available as well. Again, ohmygaia.com. O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Code creeper. Absolutely. And we also want to tell you about uh, Tonic CBD. And yes. as you guys know, not all CD, CBD products are created equal. From how the hemp is grown and processed to how it's formulated and delivered into your body, every step of the process goes in, that goes into making the product affects your ultimate experience with it. That's why Tonic's products really stand out. Founder Brittany Carbone created her original formulas from using CBD adaptogens, herbs, and superfoods back in 2017 and has been working to deliver the most effective, intentional, and sustainable products possible. Tonic Craft cultivates their own hemp from their certified organic farm in upstate New York. That that hemp travels only 30 minutes to their state-of-the-art manufacturing and distribution facility where it is turned into a finished product and sent to you, ensuring the highest quality vibes at every stage of the process. I recommend checking out their Instagram page. Uh, tonic CBD or tonic tonic vibes, and look at their mm-hmm. stories. You know how you have Instagram stories. They they show their process of making this, and that's what really sold me to reach out to them and, and start working with them because I was looking for a high quality CBD product, and Absolutely. we've been using it now for two weeks and love the products. Definitely the highest quality CBD that I've ever used, and has made a big yes. difference in my overall mood every day. My sleep pattern has been a lot more solid, um, and it even they even have uh, you know tonic rubs you can you can rub on parts of your body that are aching or sore um they have so many different products that you can use um so another thing that's cool about them is that they're it's all in upstate new york yeah so they're from their hemp farm to their factory where these are produced Mm -hmm. they're just a short drive away from each other so it's not like this hemp this hemp flower is being grown you know in california and then shipped all the way across the u.s and aging over those time and then being put in no this is the most potent fresh ingredients that are going into into these uh these oils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have a bunch of different uh, blends depending on your needs, but chill tonic definitely has been uh, one of my favorites for anxiety. It has ashwagandha, yeah. lemon balm, and passion flower to deliver a super calming effect. And it's also really cool that they use black seed oil in a lot of their blends. Black seed oil, if you didn't know, is an antioxidant powerhouse and it's great for your immune system, but it really just scratches the surface of what superfood can do. Um, uh, and also the best part is with being a listener, you can use the code word creeper for 20% off your order at checkout. And that's tonicvibes.com. Tonicvibes.com creeper for 20% off your order. Definitely check it out, guys. And guys, there will always be a link to any of our advertisers right below the description of this episode with the code word as well, in case you forget. That's right. All right. Um, I want to take a moment to give some shout outs. I forgot last week. So it's been in the week before that was Patreon. So we've got some reviews to catch up on real quick. Okay, let's do and it. If you don't, if you guys uh, didn't leave a review and you're not getting a shout out and you don't want to hear us sit here and uh, read reviews, patting ourselves on the back, you can go ahead and check out now. But otherwise, I'm going to read some reviews for a few minutes here and thank everybody that's taking the time to do that and support the show because they deserve it. Absolutely. Uh, can you quickly check the date of the last uh, Freeloader episode we did three weeks ago? Yeah. What would that yeah, be? Yeah, let's see what we got here. Yeah, we need to go back a little bit. Let's see what we got. <laughs> The freeloader episode came out uh, the 26th of January. Okay. So let's uh, give thanks to... Yeah. Look like it would be the 26th. Yes. All right. So let's say thank you to True Crime Junkie, 
in the U.S. says, number one true crime podcast. I've been a true crime fan for over 40 years, reading every book about the subject, and these two guys still enlighten me and make it new and enjoyable. Keep up the great work. I don't, once again, am, am in love with the subject. The absolute best out there. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's really actually one of the more flattering that's high um, praise. reviews because you've been a true crime fan for so long and somehow we keep it fresh for you. Right. We should put that on. We should put that on our Instagram story, dude. Right. <laughs> uh, then we got Thank uh, you for that. Simona Nickel uh, in the U.S. says, my favorite podcast. Absolutely love your podcast. The banter is super fun and listen to and the music is great. I think you guys do a wonderful job researching and representing these horrible crimes. Keep up the great work. Then we got right. Sexy Lover Babe says, these guys are fire. Keep uh, creeping hick from the sticks in West Virginia. This podcast is amazing and so addicting. Love, love, love it, Steph. Thank you, Steph. Right on. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, then we got uh, Anila, or Anila, Anila too, um, okay. says, great listen. I've been listening to this podcast for the last two years. I love the banter and sarcasm. These guys are hilarious, and I love the original intro and the different theme songs associated with the episodes. The latest episode about exorcism had me laughing so much I couldn't stop. I try to avoid any story related to demonic possession. However, I had to listen because these guys are great. The story is disturbing, but they lighten the mood with their roll calling different demon voices. Thanks for making my pathology job bearable. Ooh, you're in pathology. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah, I remember that episode. That was funny. Yeah. Then we got Tokyo XD. Very timely, as we just did a Japan case. I know, right? Um, says, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it works. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Thank you guys for taking the time to go and do that. Um, I'm sure there's been comments and reviews left on other avenues that we'll have to check for as well. Maybe get those next time, but those are the, the iTunes ones for the last couple of weeks. So thank you guys. Right on. All right. And I want to uh, quickly mention our Patreon pages. If yeah. you haven't checked out our Patreons, patreon.com slash true crime guys, you guys know about it. We talk about it every week. Um, there's hundreds of recordings on there whether it be just the banter or all of our premium Patreon exclusive episodes. So many of the big hitter serial killers are on there. Right. Two bucks a month get you access to the normal episodes. Five bucks a month get you access to just the banter as well as all of the other uh, recordings and a gold creep band sticker. Can't go wrong. You can pay up front if you want um, and save 10% so that you don't have uh, you know a monthly charge hitting your bill. You can just pay 21 bucks for the whole year for the $2 tier or $54 for the $5 tier for the whole year and just be done with it. Yes. And then you get 12 months of you know unlimited listening on the Patreon page. Right on. Right on. We we actually just had somebody uh join well they joined Patreon back in August, but they just started listening to just the banter. I was trying to find the comment so I could so I could give them a proper oh, yeah. shout, but they said they said I just started listening to these just the banters. They're like, "Holy crap. Why do you guys not have more patrons?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we have a lot of fun on Just the Banter, guys. Uh, we tell, You get to know a little bit more about us. You can also, uh, it's a great place to jump on and ask questions, which we yeah. answer the following day. Every Thursday, we put up a post either asking for questions or it might be a discussion topic or something like that. And then the yeah, following- Yeah, this past week, we talked nothing but movies for over, nothing but what, movies. Like a little over an hour. Oh, yeah, at least. It was about an hour and 10 minutes or so. And we just, we mm -hmm. talked about movies we like, movies we hate, movies we think that everyone should watch. And then we also yeah. open up the floor to patrons and let them, you know, comment and say, you know, movies that they feel like they should watch, movies that were meaningful to them. And uh, we do that every Friday, guys, every single Friday. So we just released episode like 65, I think, of JTB. And then there's somewhere around 60 Patreon exclusives on Patreon as well. So if you join Patreon at the $5 tier, you will instantly get access to somewhere around 120 uh, full-length episodes to listen to so tons of content on patreon right now if you're caught up on true crime guys um that's right if, but if you are on patreon already and you're still looking for more from true crime guys productions we got your back too we got strange and unexplained another podcast that we we do that releases every single monday on the free platform uh wherever you listen whether it be spotify itunes stitcher whatever uh strange and unexplained and like I said, that's every Monday where we focused on unsolved, missing persons, strange phenomena, uh, and just weird cases. Cases that we typically tend to shy away from on true crime guys because maybe there's just not enough info or, you know, we they're just not solved. There's quite a few people in the true crime world who tend to shy away from unsolved cases, so we thought that we would separate those uh, with a separate show. But on that show, I kind of bring you the facts. I, I bring you the breakdown. 
I give you my opinion. Also, I have my wife, Kristen, on the show. She writes for Sandu. She comes in with her opinion and you know lets me know what she thinks about it at the end of the show. And then, of course, after that, you get to hear Lauren's opinion on the Lauren synopsis. Lauren's got his own theme song and everything. Lauren comes in. He breaks down the case like cardboard boxes. And by the end of it, you got a pretty damn good idea of this case. And you got some theories to take with you and discuss with your friends. So, again, that's strange and unexplained uh, wherever you listen to podcast. Yeah, buddy. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in yet again. And we will see you next week for another Freeloader episode. Have a great week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. You hush your mouth, boy.